welcome to Clothes Wars, the podcast that wants to reclaim Halloween from the Halloween industrial complex. I'm your host, Amanda, and today, as promised, I'm joined by someone you all know, and based on all of your enthusiastic responses to her last appearance on the pod, it's someone you also really love. It's Maggie Green. Hey, everybody. Uh, I know everybody loved your last episode, so I've received multiple messages where people were like, I'm so excited that she's coming back for Halloween. <laughs> oh, good, good. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, this is fun. You're definitely the person to talk about Halloween with. So, Today we are once again, this is a closed horse tradition, we're going to save Halloween by guiding you away from the spirit of Halloween and Halloween adventure stores, because really, shouldn't the spirit of Halloween live within you already? And we're going to lead you into your closet or out to the thrift stores and yard sales to make your best costume yet, to go on your own Halloween adventure. Are, are you loving these puns yet? I was laughing at myself as I was thinking of these yesterday, which is how my, I laugh at myself way too much. Anyway, Maggie, why is Halloween important to you? Why do we want to save it? I would say for me personally, Halloween represents like peak creative challenge. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I experience lots of creative challenges. I create them for myself all year round, but Halloween is the big moment to kind of like push myself and each year my challenge is to like best myself from the previous year like how can I take it even (laughs) further even more over the top like how can I possibly beat last year and every year I get feedback they're like this is the best costume ever I can't imagine what you're going to do next year. And as of <laughs> as of January, like I start thinking and brainstorming, right? So by July, I am ready for it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that creativity is a really important element that people forget about. You know, you and I were like talking before we started recording about how like that's what really brings us into Halloween and makes it so cool. I said something that, you know – someone's going to send me a really mean message about I'm just going to say it anyway. If you don't like Halloween, (laughs) what is going on in your life? Uh, Because I don't like scary things at all. Uh, I still find Halloween to be so fun and exciting. I mean, there's candy. Making costumes is so fun. There's something to me so, I don't know, just amazing about getting to be someone or something else. Like, be a different character for one night or for mm-hmm. a series of nights. I also really love Halloween parties. Um, didn't love them as much when I was a kid because we would always play musical chairs, which is literally the most stressful game. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. should be banned. Why do people still do that? I watched <laughs> I watched this documentary about the FLDS last week on Netflix. Uh, and, I mean, there were many horrifying things in it. But there was one scene where they were all playing musical chairs. And I was like, I got to leave the room. <laughs> like, Flashbacks. I can't. Flashbacks. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's let's never play musical chairs again. I don't think people realize how stressful that game is. I love what you said about like getting the chance to be someone else for a night. Like, right. I think when I first kind of fell in love with Halloween, like early teenage years, it was just like dressing up and personal styles. It was kind of like an escape hatch in a way. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, all year I can think about this one character or theme or whatever that's totally separate apart from 
you know, my everyday experience. Um, and the other thing, it's fall, y'all. Like, the nights are crisp and cool. Oh, it's like, the best time. It is. It's the it best really time. Is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, um, whether you like pumpkin spice or not, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I that crispness in the air is so, like, I wish I could bottle it because, you know, I live in Texas now where I don't think there's a lot of crispness. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm dreading it because I think about, like, you know, last fall we were in Amish country in Pennsylvania and, like, you could smell the leaves burning and the crisp air and I could hear whatever sports are played at that time of year being played. I think it's probably football being played far off at the high school. And like, I could just feel like the excitement in the air. And I am a little, at least 50% sad that I'm going to be spending Halloween in Texas where I know none of that exists. But I do think, man, fall is just like the best season. I would love to hear from other people about why their favorite season is a different one. But like, if there's Mm -hmm. no one who doesn't like fall, right? We all agree. agree. It's pretty chill. (laughs) Pretty chill. Yes, it is. If fall is your least favorite season, I want to hear from you, though. And if you hate Halloween, I want to hear from you. Like, my daughter's father really hated Halloween because he felt like, Garrett, this is going to make you laugh because this is a guy who always had really great costumes. He felt that he was limited in terms of costumes by having to wear glasses. Oh. I was like, that is not a reason to hate Halloween. (laughs) You're talking to a visually impaired Halloween queen here. Like glasses, I I generally try to incorporate them into whatever my yeah, idea is. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, that was one of those things where I was like, I don't know if we should have a child together because <laughs> this is like a really big deal. Um, I mean, some people like I will tell you, my mom hates Halloween. That's not going to surprise anybody who's listening to this podcast who has been listening for a while because my mom generally just like doesn't like things that are fun Mm. and I think people who hate Halloween unless they have some serious trauma that has led them to hate Halloween they probably are just afraid to have too much fun because it's a it's it can be a pretty fun holiday you know I wonder if there are people out there who hate Halloween for the reasons that we're trying to save it like, I think that could be the case. Like I Valentine's so. Day, you know, like it's Ugh. it's very consumer orient consumerism oriented. It's all about like you've got to buy the things and have the candy and mm-hmm. the decorations mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Racket. And that's that ruins it, right? That's why we're trying to save it. There were definitely a couple years there where I was like. Okay, I feel sad about Halloween, like for a multitude of reasons, but one being like, I know there's going to be all this trash tomorrow, you know, Uh, and I will tell you that if I go into like a Halloween adventure or spirit of adventure, spirit of Halloween store, I get really sad. So we're going to talk about that today and the antidote to all of that, which is basically using your creativity to reclaim Halloween. Are are you ready? Oh, yeah. Well, so let's get started with some very frightening facts, the things that kind of have ruined Halloween. According to a Hubbub study that was conducted in 2019, specifically in the UK, uh, about 2,000 tons of plastic waste is generated from so-called, and this is like so deeply in quotes, disposable Halloween clothing. That's in the UK alone. That equates to about 83 million plastic bottles ending up in the landfill just from Halloween costumes in one country. So that 
that figure, 2,000 tons, does not even include the other components of costumes, including the non-plastic fabrics, wigs, props, cosmetic waste, all of that Halloween makeup always comes in the worst, totally not resealable plastic thing that is also wrapped in plastic and cardboard. You know what I'm talking about. I can picture it, mm-hmm. right? Even the brush is going to go in the trash, like the whole thing, like just instant trash, right? 2,000 tons, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot is like I give you numbers on the podcast or on Instagram, but like 2,000 tons, you're like, yeah, that sounds like a lot, but like what is that? What does that really mean? Well, that's the equivalent of two cargo ships, 13 adult blue whales, six Boeing 747s, which is like the biggest airplane. Those are the ones that had like two stories. Um, That's a lot of trash from essentially one day, right? Um. Here's the deal with the UK study that, like, you're like, oh, well, 2,000 tons, like, it could be worse. The UK has 20% the population of the United States. So if you pull out the calculator and you do some easy math, which, of course, I already did, the U.S. is probably sending 10,000 tons of plastic waste to the landfill from these so-called disposable Halloween costumes. This is just in one year. Just one yes, Halloween. Yes, just, just one Halloween. One Halloween. Ten cargo ships, which if you've ever seen one up close, it is they're humongous. Uh, 130 adult blue whales. I haven't seen any in real life, but I have seen like the skeleton of one at a museum, and it was massive. Um, 60 Boeing 747s. I've flown on a 747 one time, and... It was. I just kept walking and walking and walking to my seat, and my traveling companion was actually seated upstairs on an airplane, so we didn't see each other the whole time, but she got to hang out at the bar that was also upstairs. I mean, that's how big these airplanes are. That's one day, and that's not even all the waste, right? Like, I'm not going to go into candy wrappers, which are not recyclable, all the uh, decorations that people buy and trash, like those horrible, horrible uh, fake spider webs like they're triggering for me i just i'm like i have to walk away when i see them um you know i i'm trying to think of other plastic waste or just waste in general associated with halloween like whatever we're using for like parties like disposable tablecloths plates utensils all of that um other things that people buy and then think of as disposable but you know we know that Nothing is disposable. And when we're talking about costumes, this idea that Halloween costumes are single use, I mean, that's just wrong, right? Let's take a moment to thank a new supporter of Close Horse, Athletic Greens. They have a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because it's important that I feel as healthy and energized as possible if I'm going to be able to do all the stuff I need to do in a given day, from working my day job to creating Close Horse to reading my ever-growing mountain of books. This means I need a supplement that fits into my life easily and is actually enjoyable to take. I've taken some very unenjoyable supplements. For a while, it seemed like half my suitcase for every business trip was just bottles of vitamins, and AG1 has changed my life because it only takes up a tiny, tiny bit of space in my bag, and I really enjoy taking it. Who says that about a supplement? I have never said that before. 
but I mean it. I've been on it for a few months now and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has a kind of mild tropical with a hint of vanilla taste that I actually look forward to each morning. I'm I'm serious. I I'm excited to drink it in the morning. So you're probably asking, like, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things you care about. It's very lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, or only Taco Bell, AG1 fits for you. It also costs you less than $3 a day. It's way cheaper, trust me, I did the math, than getting all of the different supplements yourself, which I appreciate as a very thrifty person. I also love that I'm skipping all of the plastic packaging ways for all of the supplements I was taking in the past. So many containers. I am not an athlete. When I do work out, it's in very uncool pajamas. But AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits for me. It's one thing I can do every single day to take great care of myself. For every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. In 2020 alone, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. My other vitamins weren't doing anything for anybody else except filling up my suitcase. Right now is a great time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Shake it up and enjoy it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Seriously, the first thing I do every morning, well, first I feed the cats, but then I mix up my scoop of of AG1 with some water. I shake it up and I sit on the couch and drink it while I listen to NPR and it is delightful. To make it easy, because I know you're so jealous, you want to try this now, Athletic Greens is going to offer you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash clotheshorse. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash clotheshorse to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. question I got last year after our Halloween special was, and this is a really good question, actually. Why are costumes so expensive yet so low quality? I mean, like, I don't know when the last time was you went to a spirit of Halloween or even walked the Halloween aisle at Target, but like, those costumes are gross, (laughs) right? Like, they're, they're not made to ever be worn again. Like they're so the fabrics are terrible. The zippers are like I don't even I don't even know where you get a zipper that bad, but they're bad, right? Like sometimes they don't even have like real closures. Um, they're designed to be thrown out. They don't have finished seams. Like you name it. Like they're making them disposable. Yeah, like a Halloween costume is pretty expensive for like what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and something we talk about a lot here at Clothes Towers is like, well, it's cheap because someone didn't didn't get paid. 
And so then you think like, oh, well, are costumes shitty yet still expensive because they're paying the workers a living wage and doing all these great things? I mean, I think we're none of you are going to be surprised to hear that that is not true. Like there's a whole more complex math that is mathing behind the scenes. So we know these costumes are not made to last. The fabrics and trims are the lowest quality you can get. I've seen costumes that when I touch them, they feel like a sham wow or something. <laughs> like like yeah. when you're done with the costume, you could just wash the car with it, right? So Yeah, exactly. Like it's like we know by now that like the majority of new clothes being made, especially like by fast fashion brands, are synthetic. And yet they're a nicer synthetic where they almost trick you into believing that it might be not synthetic or like a nicer, more desirable fabric. But with Halloween costumes, they're like, oh, no, don't worry. We're going to use the worst fabric. You're, you're going to know that this is low quality, right? We're not going to hide it. Um, well, there was a 2019 study, that same one from Hubbub that I actually cited earlier, which was conducted in partnership with the Fairyland Trust. Part of their study was sort of digging into 19 UK retailers that were selling Halloween costumes online. And they found that 83% of the materials in the 324 costume items that they checked out were made of oil-based plastic. 69% of that was polyester. There were some other blends in there. Even in the rare occasion that one of these costumes was made of a non-synthetic fabric, it was probably made of lyocell, which is also really horrible and toxic to produce. I've talked about it on Instagram a whole bunch. You know what's funny, Amanda? Like yeah. you when you open the plastic packaging that the plastic costume smell. comes in. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. smell. It's like petroleum, like very unnatural, like chemical, just like creepy. Like not something you would put want to put on your skin or your body. Yeah. That's yeah. Wild. You know, the clothes that you buy in a clothing store, like if you went to Zara or Forever 21 or H&M, what have you, any of the fast fashion brands, um, sometimes they smell like that when they're unpacked too by the people working on the store, but it's never quite as strong. And that's because at least those retailers are like, okay, well, we better wash these, mm-hmm. like industrial wash them before mm-hmm. we like, you know, put so in the labels and put on the tags and ship them overseas because that's a deterrent, right? Like that's gross. A yeah. lot less people would buy a dress from Zara if it smelled like oil when they when they picked it up and tried it on. But the Halloween costume people are like, hey, it's it's no big deal. <laughs> like we are who we are, right? I guess they they know people are going to buy it, right? It's definitely they know, like a, yeah, a monopoly. Yeah. And these fabrics are so cheap, right? The thing about the whole thing, the cheap fabrics, the sewing, the bad trims, all that stuff, is the industry wants you to buy a new costume every year. I mean, it is planned obsolescence in a really extreme way. There are a few things that you would buy that you would expect to wear only one time, right? Or use only one time. And Halloween costumes are one of those things, which is not okay because these costumes long after you wore them that one time are going to live in the landfill. We're talking like thousands of years. We still don't know how long it actually takes plastic and synthetic fabrics to break down in the landfill because they haven't been around long enough. You know, we haven't even had a full hundred years of these materials to say, 
oh, they break down in a century. They break down in four centuries. They break down in 100 centuries. Like, we don't know yet because all scientists can do is model it based on laboratory experiments. But they've never actually, like, had the real time and the real – it's in a landfill. It's buried, you know – hundred feet down experience to see if it really breaks down at all. So I wonder if like our great, great, great grandchildren will have an inkling, like we'll have access to that data set or if we'll still be where we are, like waiting for it to degrade by then. That's what I wonder too. And, you know, the other thing that is harder for scientists to model in laboratories is access to oxygen. So what we've been finding and there's been a lot more research into that in this century, is that even natural fibers, things that normally would break down on their own, whether it's paper, clothing that's made of cotton, you know, that kind of stuff, aren't breaking down the way they should be because they're so far down in the landfill that they're not getting access to oxygen. And so they're breaking down anaerobically, which is bad and releases a lot of like gases, greenhouse gases, actually. Mm -hmm. So the way we thought when i say we i don't mean either you or me but like you know the scientists the waste management industry uh the way they thought that things would break down in landfills is just turning out to not be accurate because of that and so when we you see someone say like oh that's going to take a thousand years to break down it's going to take a hundred years to break down the reality is nobody knows anything, and those estimates might be far too low. They're definitely not too high. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, these costumes are designed to sell. They need you to come back and buy another one next year and another one and another one and another one for your whole life, right? Not to rewear them ever. The reason is that costumes are a highly seasonal business, This means that when, you know, there's like a very specific window in which those costumes can sell at full price, right? So like maybe the store will put them out in September. I've been definitely starting to see that. But by Halloween, they need to be like marked down. And the day after Halloween, they need to be like 75, 80% off, right? Mm -hmm. Like places like Spirit of Halloween – do pack up the unsold costumes and resell them the next year. So that's something I do have to give them. But most retailers do not. That includes Party City or the Target clearance aisle after Halloween. We've all been there, right? Walmart, if you bought a costume at CVS. I mean, so many people sell this stuff. And this goes for every holiday. I mean, once you see it, you can't unsee it. You're like, oh, okay, so on December 26th, All the Christmas stuff is 80% off. On Christmas Eve, it's already like marked down to half off, right? Like Mm -hmm. the goal for these retailers is to get that product out as fast as possible after the actual holiday because the moment that holiday happens, it's worthless to the majority of people. Which right. is a strange mindset too, but like think, I mean, there are is that subset of people, we all have at least one in our family who go to like Target the day after Christmas and buy all the wrapping paper for next year. For next I year, I respect that's those right. people. I respect that, right? <laughs> Thinking the, ahead instead of the yeah, last minute. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I respect that. But most people are not going to do that. Most people are like, get it out of my life. I don't even want to see it. I'm sad the holiday's over, whatever. And so, these retailers know that the closer they get to Halloween, the cheaper that stuff is going to have to sell. Now, there are two ways that they mitigate that. One 
is that they try to not buy too much, right? So I think actually I will give some props to Target here. They seem to be really good for the most part, at least with Halloween, at not buying an excessive amount of costumes. Because if you get closer to Halloween and you go to Target, there's almost nothing left. Like it's slim pickings and you feel bad for the kids who are there with their moms trying to find something because there's nothing left, right? But other retailers, you know, are saying like, listen, if we do that, we're going to miss sales that we could have had by having more stuff. So they're going to buy like even more and be left with a lot at the end of the season. So that's one way in which retailers can reduce the risk of Halloween or increase it by buying too much, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing is that they really want to ensure that no matter what price the Halloween stuff or any seasonal stuff sells at, it's the most profitable, right? So that means they're going to take a higher initial markup, and that's on their full retail price, in order to cover those later deep discounts to clear it out. So those 75% off or 80% off signs you see on seasonal product, whether it's that wrapping paper the day after Christmas or a Halloween costume on November 1st, that stuff still might be profitable at that selling price. Or Ooh. it's like they break even, right? I'm That's kind of how much they're mad. marking it up. That's how much they're marking it up, right? <sighs> Pretty wild, right? So yes. a question I get a lot is like, what is the standard markup for clothing? Like, is this normal? Like, is this how Halloween stuff – is Halloween how everything is? You know, and I will say there are certain categories that operate under this very same model as Halloween that you are buying on a regular basis and not thinking about. Swimwear, oh, my God. As as a buyer who's had to manage this category, I, like, never want to do it again. It's so stressful. <laughs> uh, shorts, sandals, outdoor furniture. These are things that have a very limited full-price selling window. And so it's like as a buyer, your job is to, like, one, make sure you buy the perfect amount, not too little and not too much. And then two, be sure that it, anything you sell at full price is highly profitable. And these limited selling windows are actually why, and you know, this is something I, I have already seen. I've been seeing the posts on Reddit for like three weeks now. This is why you see Christmas stuff in stores in August and September. This is why you see Valentine's Day stuff like the day after Christmas. It's because stores are trying to maximize that selling window. Here's the thing. They would not be doing that because why would they give up their precious space in their stores if people weren't buying it? <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the thing. You and I might be scandalized by Christmas in August but someone else out there is like, I already bought all my decorations and wrapping paper. Like that's how it goes, right? So they're always going to be extending that window. I can't wait until our our uh, post-apocalyptic future where somehow we still have Christmas stuff for sale and it goes on sale in March, right? And we can start oh getting – that's like all our reason for living or something. That's I'm not the really direction sure. we're headed, huh? That's It's just year-round Christmas soon. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, I mean like that's, that's why you see that stuff. So in terms of other categories of clothing, like how, how does this relate? Well, if you go to a boutique and you buy a dress or a shirt, like a small – you know, a small boutique – uh, the item is probably only marked up two times. That's called keystone markup. It means like maybe the, the boutique paid $20 for it. They sell it to you for $40. They make $20 off of it, right? 
Makers and artists that you see on Etsy or Instagram, et cetera, they're often taking a much smaller markup. And I actually, like, whenever one of them is my client, I actually sit down and give them a whole talking to about it because, <laughs> like, they need to be making enough money off of each thing they sell to, like, pay themselves and run their businesses. And they often aren't. And even for a boutique where they're selling stuff, buying stuff for 20 and selling stuff for 40 Sometimes that doesn't pay the bills either unless they're selling a lot of it. So this is like an area where I give people a lot of guidance, not because I'm like a greedy capitalist, but I want people to be able to pay themselves and the other people who work with them. And that's Mm -hmm. often where they're not able to, right? In fast fashion, swing the pendulum the other way, where so much stuff sells on sale at a discount with free shipping and promo codes and all the other things that they do to trick you into buying more. The markup on something is usually four to five times, sometimes even higher. So if a retailer, like let's let's pick one, uh, let's say Urban Outfitters, buys something for $8, they're going to sell it for $58 or $68, right? Uh, when you go somewhere like H&M and things are like $20, I want you to realize how little they're paying for that to maintain that profit margin which means they're paying their factory so little, right, for that item. So this margin thing, it's actually like when you know it and know how it works, the markup, it really, uh, I don't know, it reveals a lot about how this industry works, you know? The, The whole irony of Halloween costumes, which are probably marked up at least five times in order to, you know, get that maximum amount of profitability on a short selling window uh these aren't cheap but someone also didn't get paid and all of the things that we associate with fast fashion all of the treatment of workers the exploitation the wastefulness all of these things stuff coming in by airplane instead of on a boat all of that is is also present in the halloween costume industry often they're not made by the same factories and some Retailers even have their own dedicated Halloween costume factories that are sewing <clears throat> Halloween costumes all year round. Oh, Sounds God. fun. It's not, right? Can you imagine how bad those factories smell with all that horrible plastic fabric? Like this, this is the part where you're like, yeah, I guess I hate Halloween now, right? But we're here to take Halloween back from Big Halloween, the Halloween industrial complex. Uh, I'm tired of retail ruining holidays, Ruining things that I have good associations with, you know? And we're here to tell you today that you can have a great costume without going to Target, to Spirit of Halloween, any of these stores. And you can even challenge yourself to buy nothing new for Halloween and still end up with something amazing. Yes, that's what, we're that's tell what you I'm today. talking about. Yes. Woo! Okay, before we get into that, I did. you raised a question that I just wanted to like talk about was – why are all costumes marketed to women sexy versions of things? I hate that. That's another reason to break up with big Halloween because that's how they think women and femmes should be dressing for Halloween. That all Halloween costumes must be built around the male gaze. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We've talked about internalized male gaze before. We've talked about the patriarchy. Obviously, both of those things play a role. But I'm just like, how... Help make it make sense for me. Like, it doesn't. It just doesn't. It's insulting. It's disgusting. It's so misogynistic and sexist and heteronormative and all of those things. I just, 
I had to ask. <laughs> like, I don't know if anyone has the answer why. There's no good reason. <laughs> I mean, the patriarchy, I guess. But there's also, like, I, I mean, it's a big business. And I will tell you, like, putting my, like, buyer hat on, that those, like, sexy Halloween costumes have such a low fabric yield, <laughs> that <laughs> fabric consumption, that they're probably, like, super profitable. Because today I was like, I'm going to look at sexy Halloween costumes on the internet. And I was, like, pick out my most ridiculous ones and share them with you. <laughs> and I noticed that these costumes were, like, not cheap. I mean, they were all like 60, 70, 80, $100 for a pretty insignificant amount of fabric. <laughs> like, you know? Oh, that's frustrating. Um, perhaps the most, the one that used the most fabric was actually this full long sleeve, full length, like unitard that was your internal organs, <laughs> but sexy. Oh, uh, if you scroll down in the dock, you'll see it. And I, this is like my nightmare to have to wear this out in public. Oh, but no. there there she is, right? The next one that I saw, which is like, if you wear this, we're un I'm unfriending you. I have a lot of tolerance, but this is too much. Oh. Sexy Republican Party elephant costume. <laughs> this is trash, Amanda. Oh, my God. I don't know if it comes with the blazer in the photo. I think the model added that because she was like, this This needs more. It looks like better quality fabric, like actual sub substance, you know? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Like you could use it for other things. How about sexy Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty with lots of cutouts, uh, very little fabric, does come with its own crown. I think the the torch is not included. You have to make your own. Oh. Um, the next one, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on who this is because it's, oh, yeah, how could I forget this? Sexy Cartman from, Cartman, I suppose is the right pronunciation, from South Park, which is basically oh. like a one-piece bodysuit where the bottom half is brown, and then there's like a zip-up red, the top is like a zip-up red long sleeve little number, and then you have to, I don't know if it comes with these, but they're like brown stockings. It's very very strange. I think it would be hard to get Cartman from that, actually. You'd just that, be like, oh, who's that babe over there? The hat, <laughs> you know? the hat kind of nods to it, but like Cartman is a big dude and this it just doesn't compute. Like that is, yeah. that's wrong on so many levels. Okay, the next one I saw was sexy guitar. <laughs> and uh this one actually seemed like it had a little bit more of what we call in the biz make involved in it, and that there was there seem to be multiple details on it, like maybe some mixed textures and some like plastic strings and some other stuff stuff. This one seemed like, okay, this is I mean, this is not a good costume and it looks really uncomfortable and it's probably not gonna last, but it had a lot of detail to it. If I were just gonna, you know, like say something nice about each of these costumes, you know, that that's what I would say. Okay. The next one is like so bizarre. It's like sexy Russian vodka. I mean, some of these sexy costumes that are like being made, they're all made by like the same two or three retailers out there or brands, I guess they are. Mm -hmm. uh, some of these are really like they really thought about it. And I there is part of me that is like, listen, I don't want to take the money of big Halloween. But if you guys want to bring me in one day a year and I just say every phrase that comes to mind and you throw them on a board and you want to use some of them for sexy costumes, like fine, you know, <laughs> because these are really esoteric, like sexy, 
sexy Russian vodka has like one of those furry hats on. There's a little bit of a Russian flag. There's a body contrast that says premium vodka on it. Otherwise, it's like super confusing. This one's this one's hard, I would <sighs> say. How about if you like current events, which I feel like you do, sexy fake news? Oh, oh my God. This is. <laughs> which, which is just a very short dress that is printed with news headlines and it's got a big stamp across the chest that says fake. The model in the photo is also wearing glasses, but I don't think they come with it. Um, sexy Mario from, you know, the video of the video game fame. Uh, I, I just don't think the world needed this costume and I don't know if it comes with the mustache necklace, but uh, lots, not much fabric in this one. That's so, I'm just like really disappointed to see that there's not even like a, a legit fake mustache that it's an accessory around I neck. know because like, you know what I would like this costume more more being relative if there was a fake mustache on this model yes like exactly. I don't look at this and say this is Mario that's the thing about a lot of these costumes I think I think if I ran into sexy fake news at the party I'd be like oh you're like sexy fake news so like what are you like MAGA or what you know, like, cool. Thanks for thanks for letting me know. Um, but some of these are like it's a, it's tough, you know. Uh, when you cut out all the fabric and all the detail, uh, it gets confusing, you know. So yeah, yeah I, I'm not I, impressed at all with any of these. <laughs> you know, you, and I think this is another reason why some people hate Halloween because they're like, all you, especially if you are a woman, uh, you get thrown all these bad, horrible costumes, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, there's pressure to wear them, which I hope we're all, like, listen, if you're getting pressure or feeling like you have to wear one of these costumes, I want you to, like, DM me right away, and I will just tell you, like, no. Fuck yeah, the patriarchy. Same. You're not wearing this. Unless I- you want to. <laughs> if you want to, you're like, I don't feel like I'm my best self unless I'm wearing something like this or like I never dress this way so it feels really special and fun for me on Halloween, go for it. But if you're feeling like this is all that you're allowed to wear, that's not true either. Yeah, call me, please. Like yeah, consider we'll me help you. a resource on speed dial. I want to help. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I think I always just think of uh, Mean Girls and how like it was like basically a rule in that film that you had to wear one of these kinds of costumes if you wanted to be, I don't know, popular, fit in. I mean, listen, I remember high school. It's terrible. I get mm-hmm. it. Uh, that movie was strangely accurate in many ways. Um, but like there are so many other costumes out there. And really the best costume it's going to be something that you build yourself because you're going to get to brag about it every time someone says nice costume, which mm-hmm. is, you know, like an added bonus. So, Maggie, you're the Halloween queen. Tell me some of your favorite costumes from the past. Oh, my gosh. Um, Willy Wonka was like the first year that I remember just really vividly going all out. Um, <laughs> and I can share more details but Willy Wonka was definitely a great one um Mrs. Beasley from A Family Affair which I didn't I mean obviously the show was before my time but like the entire inspiration for that costume was some vintage yellow rickrack that I inherited from my mom's collection I was like that's that is that's what made me think of it and of course I got to wear the glasses nice um 
Tammy Faye Baker was definitely one for the books. (laughs) I bet. I, man, when I'm out and I see a Tammy Faye Baker, which doesn't happen that often, I am just delighted, you know? (laughs) It, It was fantastic. And like... You know, the the more the evening went on, like the more my makeup and mascara smeared and it just became even better. Yeah. Even exactly. better. Yeah. Um, I've done Courtney Love. Um, Peggy Bundy from Married with Children uh, was an awesome one. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. My friend Megan, who lives in Portland, did that a few years ago and I just couldn't get over how great her costume was and it was all thrifted stuff, you know? It was uh, really hard. Like I knew I wanted metallic like leggings basically right i had this short crop like um fuzzy sweater it was really cute i can't tell you how many places i looked for hot hot pants basically like gold metallic hot pants i finally found them um it was in a local like small boutique but yeah (laughs) these are all these are all great i i love that so you told me Uh, That you will go to some crazy lengths to ensure a costume reads as authentic. And you have a story about Raggedy Ann. So why don't don't you lay it on me? Okay. So this was college. I think it was my sophomore year, maybe. And I had made the decision early on in the year of what I wanted to be. The inspiration was a, like, white puff sleeve blouse that I had found at a thrift store And I had like these oversized royal blue buttons. And that's just those elements alone pointed to Raggedy Ann in my mind. So I got some plaid flannel and some eyelet lace trim and fashioned a pinafore with no pattern (laughs) to go over top of the blouse. that's (laughs) ambitious. It was. And probably the most um, dramatic thing that I did was I, I bleached my naturally blonde hair and invested in splat hair dye. If anyone who's wow, listening, this is intense. Yeah, it was like <laughs> fire engine red, and I applied it like three weeks ahead of time because I didn't want it to be harsh. I didn't want my forehead to be stained the day of, which meant important, important that I had fire engine red hair way before Halloween, um, including my <laughs> sophomore college photo, which is so embarrassing. Um, but The color wasn't enough. Like, I wanted to mimic the texture of actual yarn. So 48 hours in advance of the debut of this costume, I put my hair in, like, little micro braids and wore it for two days so they'd be really tight and really Uh, kinky. Oh, man. (laughs) This is is bad. (laughs) Then I, I took the braids out and, like, fluffed it out. And I'm telling you, like, every... So many people stopped me and they were like, is that a wig? Like they thought it was a wig. A lot of people thought it was yarn, but it was my actual hair. And it was so important that it would, it was my real hair. Like I didn't want to do a wig. I didn't mm-hmm. want to make one out of yarn, but it was freaking awesome. Like people still <laughs> bring that costume up to this day. Wow. I mean, and like, you know, any other time of the year or for many other people just in general, having someone ask, is that a wig about <laughs> their hair is yeah. probably like a sick burn. <laughs> exactly. Not appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ever ask anyone that. I've seen people <laughs> speculating on stuff about on Reddit, like, is that person's hair real or is it a wig? And I'm like, it's not your business. Like, who cares? You yeah. know? Um, but yeah, definitely uh, 
that's some extreme length there. I mean, because <laughs> hair is so precious, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what is the most creative costume you've ever seen? As, I've, as a, because this is important. Like you're an expert here, you know. I've seen a lot of great ones. You know, like anything with a pun element always kind of you know gets me. I'm like, all right, they're smart, creative. You actually put some thought into it. The one that tickled me the most that I just was like, I would have never thought of that, but it's also so simple and easy to execute was a weather person reporting in a storm. And it was like business casual wear, right? It was Perfect. Like a, a skirt suit or, you know, blazer, heels. Um, there was this crumpled up newspaper that they had like attached to the sleeve. It looked like it was blowing in the wind. Oh, that's good. The person had an umbrella that had been turned inside out, you know, to indicate the storm. But my favorite part was the way the person styled their hair. It was like off to one side as if they're in the wind and it's blowing in one direction and they (laughs) hairsprayed it so that it just like stayed that way. It was so good. That is really, really good. And that's a costume that really, you can get all the the clothes at the thrift store. You might need a really huge bottle of hairspray, but like, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, everybody has a broken umbrella. I swear. I know I definitely do. One that is always turned inside out, but I try to make work. So this this is a good one. You know, like this is one you can really create with like little to no money or waste. I would say, you know, I have two costumes in mind from friends who I'm – they are of your type where they are working on their costumes for months and months, right? (laughs) These are like heirlooms basically that they should pass down. So one is my friend Alana who did this like 10 – maybe more than – I would say about 10 years ago. She was Marie Antoinette for (sighs) Halloween, which has got to be the most epic costume I've ever seen. But literally worked on it all year. The dress, the big wig hair thing. You know, like she did the makeup. She had the fan. It was it was amazing. She carried a cake around all night, a fake cake. Oh. Um, my friend Zach, I also want to give props to you for always, always showing up with the best costume. Uh, once again, putting a ton of work into it. I was telling you before we started that one year he was like a thunderstorm. Actually – I remember the year that costume debuted, but he wore it every year after that. And it was just (laughs) like he had this headpiece that was a huge dark cloud with lightning. And then he could almost wear any clothing with it, but he usually wore like silver head to toe. Um, And it was just so good. I hope that like someday his kids are wearing that costume. It's just such a good one. Um, And I think I like people and it's not for everyone, but like, People who have, like, a signature costume, like, this is who they dress as pretty much every year. I (laughs) I love that because it's not like they're wearing that costume the other days of the year, although they could. They should. It'd be a treat. Like, I dress as the Hamburglar almost every year. It's just my go-to. I have the things. I tweak it every year and make it different. Um, And it's entirely made out of, like, normal things that I have thrifted. Like, it's no – there's nary a costume shop element in sight, you know? Uh, I have to give props to my friend Chad, who lives in Kentucky. He has a signature costume. I don't know that he wears it every single year, but it's always like an option. If he can't come up with something else, he's Harry Carey. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so good. Definitely a crowd pleaser. Instantly recognizable. 
and just hilarious. And for everybody who doesn't know who Harry Carey is, will you tell them? Because they might be thinking Drew Carey, which would also be a funny costume. No, I don't I don't remember where he's from, but he has like thick black plastic glasses and like this really um kind of spiky gray hair. Do you know the origin of Harry Carey? Yes, I, wish... I know that okay. only because I lived in Chicago for several years, okay. which is like a big sports town, obviously. And like, I think they he even owned a bar or a restaurant there or something. But he that's why was, I don't know it. There you go. He was a major league baseball announcer for like mm. at least 25 years. And I believe I'm checking right now. I think that he was an announcer for the Cubs. No, here. Yes. St. Louis Cardinals, Oakland Athletics, Chicago White Sox, and then the Chicago Cubs. He also is credited. It's crazy that I know all of this stuff because I'm the least sporty person you're ever going to know. He's also credited with creating the seventh inning stretch, which, well, not that. That's like a normal part of it. But the part which you would do this at Cubs games, I've been to them, where during the seventh inning stretch, everybody stands up and sings Take Me Out to the Ball Game. (laughs) So that's his thing. And I think he is also credited with a catchphrase that I believe is holy cow. Okay. So now it's like, I didn't know the sports reference necessarily, like all of that history, but I do remember Will Ferrell on SNL embodying that character and using the catchphrase. And there's like this, this head motion. It's kind of, it's not like a twitch, but he's got a really. Um, I don't know. He gestures a lot when he talks and he moves his neck in this funny way. Um, but yeah, Will Ferrell as Harry Carey on SNL is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. So he's like a Chicago legend. If your friend showed up at like any party there, people would probably weep with joy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Clothes Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. 
But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro-business. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one-woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made-to-measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play, not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at Thumbprint Detroit. High Energy Vintage is a fun and funky vintage shop located in Somerville, Massachusetts, just a few minutes away from downtown Boston. They offer a highly curated selection of bright and colorful clothing and accessories from the 1940s to the 1990s for people of all genders. Husband and wife duo Wiley and Jessamy handpick each piece for quality and style with a focus on pieces that transcend trends and will find a home in your closet for many years to come. In addition to clothing, the shop also features a large selection of vintage vinyl and old school video games. Find them on Instagram at High Energy Vintage, online at HighEnergyVintage.com, and at markets in and around Boston. Vagabond Vintage DTLV is a vintage clothing, accessories, and decor reselling business based in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Not only do we sell in Las Vegas, but we're also located throughout resale markets in San Francisco, as well as at a curated boutique called Lux and Ivy located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jessica, the founder and owner of Vagabond Vintage DTLV, recently opened the first IRL location located in the Arts District of downtown Las Vegas on August 5th. 
The shop has a strong emphasis on 60s and 70s garments, single-stitch tees, and dreamy loungewear. Follow them on Instagram at VagabondVintageDTLV and keep an eye out for their website coming fall of 2022. Okay, so one thing I will say that I have noticed both in myself and the people in my life is that how you end up at Halloween Adventure, Spirit of Halloween, Party City, or Target last minute is that you like waited too long to think about your costume and mm-hmm. it's like a last minute desperate thing and then you're like buying whatever's left and you're like, I guess I'm a sexy hot dog this year, you know? <laughs> um, so I would say like step one for Halloween costume planning is like, you know what? Yeah, you should be thinking about it right now. That's why we're going to put this episode out in September. Even because it's first off, it's already spooky season. I don't care what anyone says. Yep. But also because, like, you got to think about it in advance. I mean, this is like everything, right? If you procrastinate, exactly. it you snooze, you lose, you really do, right? Yeah. So you got to start early. Now, you said your best advice was start with a loose theme. Yeah. And I just want to piggyback off what you're saying, too, Amanda. Like, no one expects anyone who's listening. To start in January or July, like if I you do. want to, if sure. You, I mean, yeah, I would exactly. say level set expectations. If you want to be Marie Antoinette, that's who you are. Then you better start in January, right? Yeah, exactly. But if you're like, I'm gonna be Harry Carey, <laughs> you can probably wait. <laughs> you mentioned September as well, which most folks may be familiar, at least in the um, the anti-capitalist but love love fashion world. We know about secondhand September. I challenge my audiences and communities this year for secondhand September to think about Halloween early, like mm-hmm. September, right? Like yeah. we're not, not pushing it too far out on the calendar, but yeah. And when you're thinking, when you're brainstorming ideas, like I always start with a loose theme. And when I say theme, it can be, the, I mean, the most fun I've ever had brainstorming is like thinking about childhood iconography like nostalgic Mm -hmm. kind of shows or characters but honestly inspiration can come from anywhere um yeah i mean it could it could be sports it could be loosely related to sports it could be loosely related to next year that's gonna be my my thing i'm gonna be sports i'm gonna be sports next year there you go (laughs) wait the um huey lewis in the news album or (laughs) (laughs) both Um, i'm gonna make sure i get invited to two halloween parties this is very conceptual there you go one day the album the next day sports the noun all the sports i love that yeah Yeah, (laughs) start with a loose theme you don't have to like commit to costume ideas in this first round of brainstorming just like figure out something that resonates with you it can be rooted in reality it can be totally based in fiction like i said characters maybe that you read about in books um anything like that pop culture is obviously a great place to to draw inspiration from but just be forewarned like that's what you're going to see in the Halloween stores. Like whatever is hot mm-hmm. and pop culture in the moment, you're going to see tons of variations of those exact same costumes. So take it back, right? Take it back to decades past or on the other side of the spectrum, go like way far out into futuristic territory. Like, you know, um, 
a, a spaceman in 2035. Like, what does that look like, you know? Um, yeah, there are no limits. I think that right. people get fearful that no one will know who they are when they show up. And, like, who cares? Then they'll ask you and you'll tell them and you'll tell them why. And they'll be like, wow, that's so cool. I think that's the best part. Like, honestly, the more obscure, the better, because it is a conversation starter. Like, mm -hmm. no one's going to just ignore you because they don't recognize you, right? Yeah, you're you know? not going to be ostracized. <laughs> I mean, they might, they might give you a funny look and be like, I don't get it. Like, okay, cool. Now you have a chance to explain and, like, engage them and share what what it means to you, you know, why yeah, you chose it. And... Totally. I think, I think it's a great conversation starter. It's a way to connect with people. Um, and if you are one of those people, like I'm like this, when I go to a party, I don't really know where to start conversations with people. <laughs> this is a good way. Like, what are you? Oh, I'm this, this is why. And I think, you know, your costume, you're going to put some work in it. You're going to wear it all night. You want to feel comfortable in it, whatever that means for you. And that's going to mean being something that you think is cool. Right. Exactly. It should be personal, something that yeah. you're actually connected to, not sexy hot dog or fake news. Unless, Unless you love things, sexy hot right. dogs. Yeah. Right. Or if you're like, fake news makes me so mad and I want it to be sexy. That's yeah. great. You know, but don't, you know, there are other options out there for you, too. If that's if you're sexy, fake news isn't your thing. Exactly. One thing I wanted to add here is that Halloween I, th I don't know. I feel like some people think that Halloween is just for kids. And I just want to throw in there that it is really for everyone. And maybe your experience with Halloween changes as you become an adult. But I actually think Halloween as an adult has been more fun than when I was a kid. And I think it's because I can make any costume I want and go do whatever I want. You know? Yes. And I think that's, like, another thing to keep in mind as you're working on your costume or thinking about it that, like, this is your chance to just, like, have so much fun with it. Right. Like, maybe you have kids and there's, like, their Halloween moment, right? There's the yeah. trick-or-treating and the candy and maybe you want to support them in that and that's great. But also you can have Halloween just for you where you reclaim it, make it your own. Of course, like, for me as a stylist, it is about the dressing up, right? It's about the costume. Um that creative challenge but it's also like yeah as an adult like you said you get to do whatever you want you can host or attend a halloween themed party you know you can bar hop if that's your thing or just go out and do everyday activities dressed up in costume like for shock value you know yeah uh, anything do whatever goes. you need to do i wear your costume to work <laughs> wear it on your birthday wear yeah. it on other holidays like i think when you really start to lean into halloween and embrace the creativity of it all and the fun of it uh suddenly you like want to wear costumes all the time i this is my personal experience and i was lucky to live in portland for a long time where there it seems like there was a the halloween party like every day for several weeks and so you could wear a multitude of costumes and bring them back again or change the same costume throughout the week like making it better and better until like finally on halloween day you had reached the peak excellence of your costume i <laughs> uh, i think that these are all like i don't know it's fun like listen being an adult it sucks a lot in a lot of ways right like taxes bills healthcare, all the things that you worry about all the time like this is a chance to kind of I don't know, like, have fun, you know, <laughs> in a world where we don't get to have quite as much fun. I will say, though, 
that sometimes I do feel this longing, which I think I, I hope is a universal feeling of missing how exciting it was to go trick-or-treating when I was a kid. Like, I look at it now as an adult. I'm like, all you're really doing is going around and knocking on doors and getting pretty much the same candy from everyone. It's like, whatever. Yeah. I could go buy a bag of candy if I wanted. Right. But it's like the adventure of it all. And I'm always thinking, like, how can I plug that into my Halloween, that, that feeling, you know, of yeah, how fun not, it is. It's not the same when you just, like, load up on – on sale Halloween candy and like eat it alone in your home. It's not, not, it's not, it's like the ritual of like going out and not knowing what you're going to get and putting Mm -hmm. the stuff in the bag. This is how we all grew up to be major consumers, by the way, because we love the feeling of getting piece after piece of candy in those bags. I think that was a big part of it, but then going home and like dumping it out on the floor and sorting it out was just like so fun. I guess basically we're looking at Halloween as the origin of hall culture. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying it, this. <laughs> it also, you know, what it makes me think of too is like being a teenager and just having that joy and nostalgia. Remember, remembering what it was like to be a small child and having that trick or treat experience, but not caring so much about the candy as like being seen by strangers in this costume that I spent mm-hmm. so much time curating. Right, and yeah. I remember like distinctly two or three you know, adults answering the door when I was like 15 or something and just like being shitty about it. Like, you're too yeah. old for this. Like, yeah. who says? Like, you know, I'm, I am a kid. Um, I know. I mean, that's a whole other, that could be like a whole other podcast where why do people treat teenagers like they're adults when they're children? Uh, <laughs> you're a child for so much shorter of a period than you're an adult. Like, let, let kids have that. I think that kids should totally trick-or-treat until they're ready to let it go, no matter what age that is. That also makes me think of when I was 16, this was not on Halloween, but we had to ride the bus because we didn't have a car, right? And Uh the bus driver told me that she thought it was like every day was Halloween when I rode the bus. And I took that as the biggest freaking compliment. I was like... (laughs) If only it were, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. I A few years ago, I was – this is when I was living in L.A. My best friend Sherry and I went up to Portland, and one of our friends took us out and drove us around the gorge, and we went to all these tourist traps. It was, like, so such a beautiful day. And we stopped at this dam, uh, the Bonneville Dam, and we were parking the car, and we got out, and this guy came up to us. I mean, we're all, like, grown-ass women with, like, careers and stuff. And he says to us, <laughs> it's not Halloween yet. And I was like, wow, cool dude. <laughs> uh, Way to try to stick burn as I'm going to take that as a compliment that I'm like looking really good right now. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> but like he was trying to bully us, I guess. And I was like, bold move. There's three of us and one of you. Kudos, sir. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, I probably did look like a witch because I do most of the time. But I was like, rude but also thanks mm-hmm. um i do love that it's it's like halloween every day thing is like an insult because i definitely got that all through my teens and 20s from strangers all oh, the time. it made me feel amazing i was like yes that's what i'm going for it's you- like oh are you saying that when i'm around it's like the best holiday of the year wow <laughs> What an amazing compliment. Exactly. <laughs> I, I feel like Dustin should have said that to me in our wedding vows, you know? 
every day with you is like Halloween. I would have been like weeping in tears of joy. I feel so seen, right? Finally, you really do this love is me. why we're getting married, you know? I love that. So let's talk about all the ways in which you could put together a costume without buying anything new or setting foot in a Halloween store. Like, where do you recommend people start now that they've got their loose concept or their very dialed in concept? Where should they start looking for the pieces for it? So presumably you got a list of ideas in your hand, right? I think I would first, hope so. <laughs> I think your first stop should be your closet. And I say that like, again, right, we're talking about Halloween as a creative challenge. This is like pushing your imagination to its absolute limits. Like, um, I'll tell you about what I did in 2021 at some point, but like in the case of confronting my closet, right, for Halloween, looking for inspiration, this sounds kind of weird, but sometimes the garments like speak to me. It just like something pops out and there's an immediate connection or association with that garment that makes me think or is like a nod to a specific character or theme, right? So definitely start with your closet. Like, you're looking at it with fresh eyes, right? Like, you've worn these things for years, and you've worn them in specific combinations. The challenge with Halloween is to see them in a totally new way. Yeah. Right? Um, I've got yeah. some examples. Like, I had this yellow gingham um, A-line sweetheart neckline dress. And always, since since it's been in my closet, for whatever reason... It made me think of Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I think it was just like the rich gold mm. and the big, you know, full voluminous skirt. Clearly Belle did not wear gingham, um, but it works, right? Like if you, so you, maybe you have a handful of ideas or you've got your one that you really want to shoot for. I think it's important to like zero in on the unique elements that make that character or that costume recognizable it's almost like a an exercise in caricature like what is it that sticks out like harry carey right we talked about him the glasses and the hair it doesn't matter what outfit the guy is wearing mm -hmm. the person's wearing those things are just like instantly recognizable um yeah you can take inspiration from individual garments use your list that you've brainstormed and think about okay like what, it, what is this person or character wearing? What are they famous for? What things are associated with them? And then look for, you don't, you're not looking for like exact replicas. It doesn't have to be totally authentic. Um, but look, look in your closet for things that kind of loosely touch on those elements. Yeah, I think that's a really important call out because this is a point where people get stuck right? They're like, let's going back to using Belle as an example. Mm -hmm. It's like, I must have a yellow off the shoulder evening gown, you know, or I guess it's not an evening gown. It's just a gown, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're going to work your shift at Disneyland, where really being on point is part of the job. Uh, you just need a yellow dress that has right. that feeling to you. You don't need to go out and buy a gown. Uh, if you were wondering, though, Dolls Kill, according to my Google search, does have a sexy Belle costume for sale oh, right now. Of course, of course they do. Right? But, like, even that sexy Belle costume, I think is, like, 
interesting because it gets down to the essence of Belle, which is like the yellow, right? Like, yes. look for the yellow dress that has that feeling. No one is going to come to you and be like, that dress is gingham. No one's going to mean girl you over it. I did take it up a notch. Like, we all know the story, most of us anyway, right? Like, Belle was a big reader. She loved books. And so mm-hmm. I combined the dress with, like, a cute updo. Um, and I carried a children's book around, you know? Like, it was it was easy to execute and, again, like, recognizable. That, that essence, I love that word that you mm-hmm. use. It's definitely... That when I say key elements, like that make the character recognizable, it's really a distillation of like, almost like minimal, minimum viable product. Like, what are the the two things or three things that stick out when you see this character, and you kind of um, double down on those things. I love that, and I think it's also important that you should know something about this character. Like, for example, you were talking about Belle being a known reader i actually don't know that because i've never seen any disney movies so oh, wow. like i should not dress up as Belle for halloween you know yeah. i would be like i've got to get a yellow evening gown or no one's gonna know who i am you know it would not be a good fit for me but like i'm sure the book pulled it together and so definitely if you're like thinking you want to try something new that you don't know at all it's really important that you do some research unfortunately Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier, too. Start with a personal connection, right? Like, it's it's fine if you want to pick something random and arbitrary. But, yeah, you need that familiarity. Maybe do a little bit of research. It doesn't take a ton of work, but at least know it well enough to to put it together, you know? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes your costume might not be a fictional character. It might be something that is like day-to-day that you have the clothes for but isn't part of your normal day-to-day identity like i know you put on the list mime which made me laugh so hard because i think a mime costume is classic not enough people dress as mimes can i just tell you like bring back mime costumes it's great if you're like i have a black turtleneck i have some black pants i have a beret i'm done right so easy Uh, also i think mimes are trending You heard it here first. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, what are some other ideas you have that, you know, most people might not be doing in their day-to-day job or lives, but they have the clothes for in their closet? Okay, so this is a great question, and it it definitely ties into what I did last year, which was my, my first series around this concept. Like, you know, I've been doing it for years, but I wanted to share... And help others think about Halloween proactively, but also, like, stay the hell out of those nasty, wasteful, cheap costume shops. So, yes! Um, in 2021, I launched a series called Styloween, in which I challenged myself to build, create as many costumes as possible using only what was in my closet. And the final count, drumroll please, was 21 costumes. I wow! didn't buy I didn't buy anything. I didn't wow. buy anything. So to answer your question more directly, some examples were like for me, my my personal style reads very much like sassy librarian a lot of days, <laughs> right? Right, right. So That's a good one. A, a librarian was so easy. Um 
you know, it was a, a little cardigan sweater, a button-up blouse, pencil skirt. I had like some granny style shoes. Um, I used a necklace to attach to my glasses so it looked like a chain on my glasses. Um, a farmer was really easy. I had a flannel shirt and overalls and boots and a straw hat done, right? Easy. Um, Classic, too. My favorite, and I'll tell you why it was my favorite, was a used car salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us so, more. I, you know, when you think used car salesman, there's like that element of cheesiness and kind of borderline tacky or gauche. And I had this lime green blazer and like these um, navy blue and green checked pants. So I kind of had that. Those were the inspirational pieces. Um, I found a kind of coordinating, but not really more like clashing necktie. And my favorite part of the whole thing was the faux comb over hairstyle. <laughs> um, That's I amazing. Have pretty long blonde hair, but I'm telling you, when you see the photos, <laughs> it is unbelievable. And I, I did a little bit of um, five o'clock shadow makeup, right? Like, did some really bushy eyebrows, and mm -hmm. that was that. I mean, it is, it's, it's one of my favorite costumes ever. You have to share photos of all these costumes on Instagram after this episode comes out because people okay, I will. need to know. I yeah. need to know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good one. Um, I'm trying to think like costumes that I've done that like were based on my own closet. Flight attendant, always a fave for me uh, because I definitely went through a phase where I had a lot of – I still have them, like mod dresses. And, yeah. of course, being a flight attendant is so fun. Like I'm talking like a mid-century flight attendant, not someone who's flying right now and has to fight with someone to put on their mask and then give them peanuts. Like not that. Back right. when flying was glamorous and not like the worst, right? The little – um like the eyeglass scarf, like the little oh, scarf around the neck. Yes, that look is yes. just – oh, it's so good. Still love a scarf like that. Oh, so good. Mm -hmm. That's one I've done. Um, I did one time. I had this white dress that I'd bought from from a thrift store kind of on impulse. And uh, the more I looked at it, the more it looked like a, like a sort of like 1960s wedding dress. And I have like really big, big, thick, dark hair. So I did like a huge uh, – I like curled my hair. And then I, I rolled up um, – a sports bra and use it as a bump it inside my hair pro tip guys it works if you have I like love a this. okay oh so I, I rolled up a bump it and put it in there with like bobby pins and so i i was um which is like sort of in bad taste now because this person was a child bride but i was uh priscilla presley um and i i loved that costume um but i also think it's like really gross that she got married so young and it probably is pretty unethical so i'm not saying oh. i'm putting a seal of approval on that but the dress was like so on point okay white dress big bouffant bump at hairdo if you don't want to go child bride like lisa marie presley you could totally do bride of frankenstein by just like adding white stripes on your bouffant Totally. Like, That's a great one. That's a great one. I mean, this was like the early aughts and people were really sexist and horrible. So <laughs> my brain went to child bride. Um, but I also just wanted to have like big voluminous hair. That's what it really was. And you know what? Halloween, use it as a chance to have the hair you've always wanted and use a sports yes. bra as a bump it. Whatever makes you feel good. I 
I am definitely, I might use that sports bra bump it technique for something I have planned for 2022. Um, it's like the perfect size <laughs> to fold, sort of roll into a bump it. Oh, that's I, so smart. I was like, I remember this specific moment being in my house. Like I'd backcombed my hair about a gazillion times and it just <laughs> still wasn't there. And I was like, what do you? what do the ladies with big hair do? And I remember that my grandma who had like a big red beehive or always at least a bouffant when I was very little, she went to the salon and they like put a piece in there. But I was like, I think people sometimes put like a little wedge in there. This is before I knew the term bump it. And so I was like looking around my house for something that matched my hair color. I had this very faded black sports bra. So it was sort of more of a dark brown. And I was like, perfect. Um, once again, I could have gone and bought something to put in there, but like, why, you know? Oh no, that, that is the kind of like ingenuity and innovation that I'm talking about. It's like literally whatever you have lying around, like I used a makeup brush as a makeshift microphone. Like if you're holding it the right way and you got the right facial expression, people are going to believe it's a microphone. Yeah. I think that's a good call out too. I think we get so hung up on things looking exactly as they yeah. have or should. And really, it's about the energy you bring to it. <laughs> so one more tip um, that I did not think of when we were talking before this episode, but the like the easiest costume. Anyone can do it. You can do it with whatever clothes you have in your closet. Like literally any character. You can be a zombie or an undead anything. Like cheerleader, prom queen, sports player, student, like career professional, right? Just with a little bit of makeup, you're an undead version of whatever the heck that is. Yeah. Super easy. Very, that's a good one. Very seasonally appropriate. You know, people will recognize you. If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles by embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. 
com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. New Vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st dot evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom and pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns. Handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed. Made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at Republica underscore Unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicware, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnicware in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnicware recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnicware offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. The Pewter Thimble is a curated secondhand shop based out of Rome, Italy. Owner Desiree Marie Townley has a background in costuming and makeup for dance and opera and focuses on dressing for the character you want to be in the world. Curated collections are dropped in a story sale and always have a specialized theme like the color palette of Starry Night, the film classic Casablanca, and the children's novel The Secret Garden. Desiree works with local artisans, and pieces are rescued from markets and rehabilitated and resold with worldwide shipping. The Pewter Thimble is a collection of pieces that will have eternal style from the eternal city. Discover more on Instagram at The Pewter Thimble. I had some other... These are a little bit more esoteric, um, but I was thinking about, like, if you didn't want to buy anything for your costume at all, 
and you're not ready to embrace the sports bra bump it, but I bet you all are now. You're all doing it right now. Um, one thing you can never go wrong with is a head-to-toe monochromatic look, including makeup. So like wear head-to-toe red clothing and put on red eyeshadow and red lipstick and you have a costume right there. You can be, I'm the color red. I'm my favorite cut part of my aura. I am a crayon. I am a ruby. I am like whatever. Like it, you could just be like, I'm red, you know? And that's a strong look right there, especially if you match the makeup back to it. It's so good. I'm not oh, saying yeah. you have to go as far as Maggie and also dye your hair, but you could. <laughs> um, another one that is along those lines is you could be a famous sort of color-blocked painting. So you could be a Rothko painting by, like, color-blocking the top of your clothes versus your bottom of your clothes. And fortunately, Rothko did, like, the whole spectrum of colors, so there is a painting out there that you can be. You know, bonus points if you actually – people say to you, like, what are you? And you can say the name of the painting, so be sure to know that. You oh, could I also, love that. Right? It's, especially if you have, like, artsy friends. It's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. Or you could be a Mondrian painting – by adding black gaff tape over your clothing, which shouldn't ruin it, to create those black lines of a color-blocked outfit. So that's another one. Um, you could be your favorite writer or artist, and that's great because writers and artists just wear normal clothing. Uh, and people, when they ask you who you are and you, like, lay it on them, they're going to think you're so intellectual and interesting. So that's a good Bo- one. Bonus if you wear glasses. <laughs> exactly. And, like, don't be mad about if you wear glasses at Halloween, guys. Don't let it ruin it for you. Okay. Yes. Another, here's here's an eso, a super esoteric costume concept that I actually love and I'm like ready to run with it. Be who your pet would be if they were a person. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That's so good. Right? Dustin and I are always out and we'll like see a specific person whose behavior reminds us of like one of our cats and we'll be like, oh my God, that's Hutch. That's Hutch if he were a human, you know? <laughs> I remember once being in the airport in Tokyo and we saw this kid who we were both like, that's LD, who's cat, Dustin's cat who passed away. But he had this like really disheveled hair. He was being really hyper. Apparently, like Dustin went in the bathroom. And while the dad was in there trying to use the urinal, the kid was just smacking his butt the whole time like drums. And we were oh. like, whoa, that is LD. So anyway, take that line of thinking and think about how that your pet would be as a human. I think that's a great one. Plus, like you love your pet, right? Like You've been wanting to do this. We all have. Very Um, personal. I love that. Right? Okay. The next one is like, I would just challenge you to go look at your recycling bin because I bet there's a cardboard box in there, among other things, that you could use like cans and whatnot. But like a cardboard box alone can be an amazing launch pad for a costume, no matter how what your age is, right? I think we think of those things as being for kids, but they're for adults too. Another Mm -hmm. one of my favorite costumes that I didn't mention was... My first boyfriend, Brad, who's a scientist, but wasn't then, was just in college, he took a big cardboard box out of our recycling and turned himself into a newspaper box. And it was literally the best costume. I mean, people like fainted when he walked by. Strangers were like, can I take a picture with you? Like all night long. And it was so good. And he didn't buy anything for it. We had paper around our house that we covered with it. You know, we had some paint. He had the box. That was it. It was great. It was great. He didn't even have to have, like, crazy artistic skill to create it. Um, You could also be a package or a gift. And people could be like, what kind of gift are you? And you could say something really funny, like, oh, I'm a size 7 pair of bowling shoes. I don't know. It doesn't matter, (laughs) right? Or maybe you're like, 
wouldn't you like to know? That's like sexy. People may like that too if you're looking for a sexy costume. Anyway. God's no. gift to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This could be your pickup line. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's one. Um, I have this other one. This is a depressing one, but it's pretty funny. And if I saw this, I'd be like, can I take a picture of you? Paint it blue or green and pin clothes sort of bursting out of it. And bam, you're a donation bin. Okay. My, the, so far, that's absolutely my favorite idea. Like, again, instantly recognizable, super easy to execute. Yeah. It definitely makes a statement. Yeah. And you, once again, you don't need to buy anything, and people all night are going to be just patting you on the back. Uh huh. You know, at least mentally. Um, So those are ideas I had, but I know that there's someone out there who could make something amazing out of all the like tin cans in their recycling or their LaCroix cans or (laughs) I don't even know what's cat. If you need cat food cans, Call me. I'll send them to you. Um, but like there, I think like those are like when you're a kid, like for me, I th- I know you and I kind of bonded over this. But like when I was a kid, you know, I was obsessed with having a Barbie house, which of course I didn't have. And I definitely didn't have Barbie furniture or anything like that. But at one point someone did buy me an off-brand dollhouse that was made for Barbie-sized dolls. And it was so ugly that I took, like, every scrap I could find, like, in the trash for, like, the next six months and redecorated it, whether I was, like, you know, putting up paper as wallpaper or making furniture out of, like, little boxes and cans and stuff. Like, I actually think – I mean, I wish I had photos of this now. Of course I don't. That I ended up having this, like, really sick dollhouse that I was really proud of where everything was made by me. And I think you should take that same approach to your costume, that you have it in you to make it whatever you want it to be. Amanda, you you literally just like reached in and touched my heart just now <laughs> with the dollhouse story. Um, it's bringing back some similar memories. Um, just like connected to being resourceful. Like yes. I had nothing growing up, and I will I will never forget like creating for my <laughs> definitely off brand dollhouse. I think my grandfather built it for me. Actually, painted it. Um, really simple design, but I, I wanted all the details inside, including a roll of toilet paper mounted to the wall. And I, (laughs) I literally took a paper clip and I straightened it out by hand. I didn't have pliers or anything. So I think I used a pair of nail clippers (laughs) to just like (laughs) bend it and cut it. And Uh I cut a strip of toilet paper and hand rolled it around the paper clip and stuck it like in the wood. Um, but yeah, like you, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of resources. You really don't need a lot of clothes even to create a costume or, you know, like be creative and pull a vision together. Just like give yourself a chance, I guess. Yeah, Um, I think that's great because I think once again, many people get stuck here on the idea of like this perfection. Right. Going back to Dylan's father being upset about Halloween because he had glasses and that meant he couldn't be any costume he wanted. Why not? You know, like mimes can wear glasses. Newspaper boxes can wear glasses. Farmers can wear glasses. Any any character can wear glasses if that's what you want, if that's who you are this year. You know, you just got to like own it and believe in yourself. And 
let go of this idea that your costume has to look exactly like the inspiration because that's where you're going to lose your excitement, you know? Yeah, exactly. So something, you you know, we haven't really talked about wigs, okay? Wigs are one of those things that give me a lot of anxiety when it comes to Halloween um, because most of them are terrible and aren't going to, like, it's not like you're going to use the same wig year after year. You might be able to if you are very careful with it and wrap it up and keep it clean and all that stuff. So if you want to invest in a wig that you're going to wear every year, like you're like, I'm going to wear a purple wig every year for the rest of time, go for it. But what else can people do with a Halloween wig when it's done other than throw it in the trash? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is not donating it to like a Goodwill, like you might with your other unwanted garments, but like put feelers out in your local community through groups like Buy Nothing and say, hey, I've got a wig or like go actively searching for people who are looking for wigs that you may have. Mm -hmm. Um, This happened to me last year. I had a really, really small collection, maybe two or three wigs. And I happened to catch a post from this person in the local community. And I'll never forget. I was like, I've got a curly brown version and I've got a straight brown wig. And I put them, no shit, on a spaghetti squash just real quick to take a photo. (laughs) So I still have the photos of like these, the spaghetti squash wearing these wigs. But she ended up picking them up and like no cash changed hands. I didn't end up throwing it away. Like she got value out of it, which was really cool. Um, the same principle applies. Like maybe you have friends who are doing their brainstorm for Halloween or they have some other costume oriented opportunity or maybe hell, they just want to like wear a wig for fun. Put it out there. Like, Hey, I've got this wig. I really don't want it to go to landfill. Right. Um, Would you, you know, do you have any use for it or know anyone who does? Like, just put it out there, take responsibility for it. As I'm saying this, and you mentioned purple wig, Amanda, I had to buy a wig this year. There just was, I've sworn off coloring my hair. So that was. I think that's a good call because I was, (laughs) I was getting a little bit of anxiety during your Raggedy Ann story as a person who has done all the bad things you can do to your hair with hair dye. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm past that now. I'm like good, embracing good. the natural, embracing the gray. So I ended up getting a wig this year. And as I'm saying this, it's just it's a reminder to myself. Like I'm probably not going to wear this wig again, uh, but I might. I mean, maybe I'll hang on to it. Um, but certainly, I'm not going to throw it in the trash, and I'm not going to take it to Goodwill when I'm done. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a great transition into all the other places you can get pieces for your Halloween costume outside of your closet. So obviously we all know thrift stores. I mean, Halloween has become a big business for the thrift industry. Like in the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years, suddenly thrift stores were like, oh, hey, lots of people come in here and buy costume stuff. So unfortunately, a lot of thrift stores also sell brand new bad costumes. Yeah, especially like the big kind of corporate thrift retailers. Goodwill, Goodwill. Savers, Value Village, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you could also ask around in your friend group. Someone's probably got a wig or some other thing you can borrow. Um, I think Buy Nothing is great for that. I've actually already begun to see on my Buy Nothing group 
Halloween requests coming through. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I, uh, and it's September. That's awesome. I know. And I'm like, kudos. Like, I don't want to be that person. I mean, I kind of want to go in there and be like, kudos to you for thinking ahead. But then I'm like, no, I don't want to. But like, I was, <laughs> I saw someone asking for red shoes because they wanted to be Dorothy. And I was like, that's great. Like, nobody needs to go out and buy red shoes, you know? Right. Uh, that they probably aren't going to wear other times. If they don't already have red shoes, they don't need to buy a pair. Um, so I've seen a few requests out there. And the same thing goes, like, I love that you rehomed your wigs that way because someone needs that wig for Halloween. And I love the idea of, like, like the sisterhood of the traveling wig or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. <laughs> or, like, you could straight up, like, borrow a costume from one of your friends. Like, if you were at that point where you're, like, I have to go to a party next week. I totally snoozed on this because I've been, like, working so much or I've been, like, really busy dealing with other stuff. Ask your friends who has a costume you can borrow. Mm-hmm. Or if you're stuck on making something out of stuff you already own, ask your friends for suggestions. Get a friend to come over and look at your closet and be like, what about these three things? Like sometimes having fresh eyes on your stuff helps you see other uses for them than the ones you've been always been using them for. Like I don't know about you, Maggie, but there are certain – garments in my in my closet that I've worn so many times that I can only see them like that dress has to be with this sweater and those shoes (laughs) and those socks and this is how I wear my hair every time I do it and I wear that necklace and it's just like where it is you know I've worn it like 50 times and it's still like these things go together and it's like interesting when I will like see someone else out in the world wearing like one of those things that are part of that outfit with other things I'm like oh that's that's a thing you know, <laughs> so I think yeah. like getting a friend to come and take a look. I mean, just in general, even with your wardrobe is a really good idea. Um, since the episode is coming out in September, hopefully it's appropriate. This would be an appropriate time to share. Like maybe your friends don't have time or they aren't confident, don't feel like they have any good suggestions for you. Like, hello, I can be your friend um, for <laughs> For the second year in a row, I'm offering complimentary costume consultations. What? Where, yeah, where for 30 minutes, we've got 30 minutes, you're going to give me a peek at your closet and literally as many ideas as come to me in that 30 minutes, I'm going to share them with you. No cost, no strings attached, and you don't have to buy a thing. Like you're getting priceless ideas, don't have to go out and buy anything. And yeah, you, you walk into the conversation with zero ideas. The most I think I've come up with in a single 30-minute consult was, like, 20, 19. And you know I did 21 original ones last year. So I've I got ideas for you. Like, She's, holler at me. This is incredible. <laughs> How do people take advantage of this opportunity? I have not shared it on Instagram yet, but I will do that along with some photos from last year's lineup when the episode drops. So if you want to check me out on Instagram at GreenStyleMags, I will have those resources at the ready for you. Um, I just encourage you to grab the time because they fill up pretty fast, especially the closer we get to Halloween. And I want you to book it early because we're thinking proactively we're not waiting to the last minute this year (laughs) yes uh yeah you're making me really excited for halloween and you know when this comes out we are going to be in like this the second half of september so it is really time to get down to action i'm actually glad that we're having this conversation because i will probably dress as the hamburglar again for like the 10th year in a row but i 
last year there was a horrible disaster with my striped shirt that's a part of it and I need to start like thrifting a new a replacement um, mm. because it was it was a non it's just a stain situation that will never be okay <laughs> is it is it a black and white like horizontal stripe yeah I mean it's like a, you, you gotta have it you know mm. I've got a purple and black horizontal stripe I'm like hmm I wonder What's if I can I black? help you save Halloween <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I was saying last year, I was like, man, because so, cause last year, what I did to cover up this epic stain, which was like totally my own doing, and like I tried every laundry stain removal technique that I have, <laughs> nothing worked. I mean, then this shirt is like secondhand and super synthetic. So you know how sometimes when synthetics like get stains, like that's it. It's like they just will yeah. never. So last year, what I did to get around it is I... To, you know, one of the parts of the hamburger costume is a necktie, right? Like a red necktie. Um, I used to have another one that I'd painted little hamburgers on, but it was oh. lost in the move. And I need to take the one that I have and paint the little hamburgers on it because it really took it to the next level. I used puff paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did last year is I pinned the uh, – I mean, not with like a tie pin or anything, but like a safety pin. So you couldn't see it. But like I pinned the tie in place to cover the stain. But it ended up being very com- uncomfortable. And there were – a lot of times where I would make a move and think I was going to choke to death. So this year oh. I need to get another shirt. But I was saying last year, I was like, remember 10 years ago where you couldn't go into a thrift store without seeing 100 black and white striped shirts? What happened? <laughs> where are they now? Where are they? I mean, when you were talking earlier about like metallic leggings, I was thinking like, where did all those American apparel clothes that go that people bought in the early aughts? Like, where are they? If you're not wearing your metallic leggings or bike shorts from American Apparel, could you please donate them to the thrift store so others can? Yes. Yes. Like, please, please tell us that you've not discarded them. And they're yes, just, don't like, tell sitting me that. in a pile in the global south somewhere. Uh, <laughs> reflecting the sun. Heating oh, up. No. So gross. Um, blinding birds. Because the gold yes. ones, I remember specifically, were very blinding. Like, yes. I am like a crow. And I'm really attracted to shiny things when I'm out in the world. And whenever, when those, like, kinds of clothing, like, all that American apparel, like, metallic lame stuff was trending, I would be, like, up in the club, like, fl- just flitting about, like, looking at people <laughs> and being really distracted and probably annoying to everyone. But I just, you know, can't help it. Um, all right. Well, do you have any last thoughts about Halloween, costumes, anything else? I'm not going to ask you what you're dressing as because I know you have a very strategic reveal moment on Instagram coming. So everyone uh-huh. else has to follow you to know. But do you have anything else you'd like to add? I... I just really want people to lean into this. And of course, now they have, you know, if you're following Close Horse, you've got some education about Halloween and all kind of the pitfalls around it and the whole industry. Like, lean into this, embrace it, you know, like, own it as a creative challenge. And just like, as adults, I feel like we we might not entertain our imagination as much as we did when we were children. Like, but that muscle doesn't really go away. So mm. now is the time to stretch it, flex it, see what you've got. Um, and yeah, like I said, if, if you want ideas, I've got you. Yeah. I, I And I think like using your imagination feels so good. Um, you know, maybe you don't like, you know, you're working all day and you got to come home and do housework, take care of your kids, whatever. And there's like no time ever for yourself. 
And that that's hard. That's not good for your brain, I think. I recently uh, – I've talked about how in 2020 I got really into The Sims because I was basically having a nervous breakdown. Recently yeah. I've gotten back into The Sims in a much more managed way because I don't have a lot of free time. But like set a time aside for myself to play The Sims almost every night at least for 30 minutes. <laughs> and the reason why is because I like make up all these convoluted soap opera stories about all of my Sims. And they're just for my consumption. No one would even look at my Sims game and know that that's what's going on. <laughs> and it makes my brain feel so happy. Yeah. I mean, and if going back to what you said, like, you know, you're doing chores, you just can't, can't seem to find that time. Like while you're scrubbing those dishes, like daydream. Hello. <laughs> like no one's saying like you can't think while you're doing other things, especially those mindless tasks that don't necessarily use bandwidth, you know, mental totally, bandwidth. Totally. Like, totally. One of my, uh, coworkers always brings up this time like remember Amanda when we were dealing with that huge crisis and you went to the bathroom and you came back and you had the answer and I was like yeah because like <laughs> I can't like not be in the bathroom like thinking about things in like complicated creative ways <laughs> same like when I'm driving when I'm showering totally like- totally yeah mowing the lawn hanging like one thing I do like people ask me like do you really live like a sustainable lifestyle and of course the answer is like as as much as I can and one thing I do is I actually hang almost all of our laundry to hang outside to dry almost year round like Dustin and I put together like you know we live in the city we put together a situation for me to hang out clothes here and I gotta tell you one of my greatest times for daydreaming brainstorming just like getting into my head and thinking creatively is when I'm hanging out laundry yes I love that. Well, that's all we have. This is almost two hours, so you're probably tired of hearing about Halloween. And if you are, I'm worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's all we've got for you. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of Close Horse. You want to say goodbye to everyone, Maggie? Yes. Thank you again, Amanda, for having me. Thanks for everyone for listening. And yeah, we'll see you on Halloween. Woo! Bye, everyone. (laughs) 